Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the third in our series of What If podcasts for the Elm Park Rolls. We've previously recorded two of these. One of them was about Wembley and another one was about manager. If you'd like to have a listen to them, go back and look on your podcast provider. It's dead easy to find. So today we'll be talking about two different scenarios, but we're going to start first of all with what if Danny Murphy hadn't scored that goal at Portsmouth for Fulham in 2008, which led to us being relegated. So we're going to look at a hypothetical twist on a historical event and see what would have happened. So, Hugh, you've joined us today to talk us through this. What happens in your hypothetical world? Well, this was a dark day for Reading fans as well. This is that one time where you see on Match of the Day, it's for Reading fans in the stands, kids in tears, grown adults in tears. And so we win 4-0 up at Pride Park, but... The moment that made the difference was probably 150 or so miles away down at Fratton Park, where Danny Murphy scored a header to win the game 1-0 for Fulham. Now, if Fulham don't win that game, or if Reading had won by eight goals, I believe, an eight-goal swing we needed on, uh, on Fulham that day. But let's imagine Danny Murphy's header that day hits the crossbar. Fulham draw 0-0, keeping Reading up. Now... This isn't before the invention of smartphones, but it's at the point where you would not get signal in an away end at a ground. So what you'd have is a couple of the older generation of fans listening on these tiny handheld radios. And I've always seen that anymore. That moment in a relegation battle where you've got kind of people going shh, shh, try and listen kind of thing. And then all of a sudden the news comes through. Portsmouth nil. Fulham nil, Reading have stayed up for another year in the Premier League. Now, we go into the following season and a week later, Steve Koppel, in my opinion, and I tossed this one up thinking, would he have stayed, would he not? Because he wanted to leave when we were relegated. And I do still feel in the 08-09 season, his heart wasn't really in it. And that's why we fell away second half of the year and I think he would have stepped down after the relegation battle citing that he was exhausted by the Reading job and had taken his team as far as he could and I think you'd have seen player departures still like Nicky Shorey who fell after his England appearance he could go on to better things I think um potentially you may have seen one of Doyle and Kitson leave as well and then You've got to remember players like Sonko weren't the same at that point. In the, um, in the 07 08 season, we were leaking goals. And so I think Medeski would have been rushed to make 
an appointment of someone experienced, we wouldn't have seen a Brendan Rodgers type scenario. Instead, the manager I've gone for is someone who would have needed to have mended his reputation at this point, as England have just missed out on Euro 2008, and the Wally with a brolly needs a new job. <laughs> Steve McLaren steps in at the Madeski, someone not known for exciting football, and so I think he takes one look at Reading, realises he needs to shore up the midfield, and so I've gone with the first signing being Ben Watson from Crystal Palace to play in that holding midfield role, and I've said that we would play that year a 4-1-4-1 with Watson in front of the defence, Kitson as the lone striker, and we'd have gone with a midfield two of Harper and Matijowski, Players like Emerson. Matioski. I've got to say about Matioski. Matioski really split opinion, doesn't he? I mean, for me, oh, would he have really been able to do it? Come <laughs> down for Matioski. I always <laughs> liked Matioski. I'm on the side of people who think that um, he didn't have the teammates around him. I think if you put him in the Brendan Rogers Swansea team, he'd have been perfect in a side like that. Some, a team who knew how to keep the ball well. And I think if under McLaren, we'd have gone to um, really relying on wingers. So you'd have seen Kebe, a very raw Jimmy Kebe in uh, 2008, 2009, featuring quite a bit. And Stephen Hunt staying on the other wing, who would have been our joint top goal scorer in 08-09 with Dave Kitson, both scoring eight goals that year. Not many. The wow. goals were shared around the team a bit. That's a rough year, isn't it? Eight goals. No, it's a really rough year, Alex. Yeah, as well. A lot of the time, and free kicks. So Hunt did get his fair share of goals in the Premier League. But I see us starting the season well again and getting a few scrappy wins. Um, I had us down to get a kind of one nil against Everton at Goodison Park and to draw nil-nil against Arsenal because I had to write in that we finally get a point at least <laughs> against Arsenal because we never This is a common a theme in these um, episodes, Hugh. It's amazing <laughs> how often we are actually getting a win or actually at least a point against Arsenal. It's that team that we really don't like. You know, don't, we all know we've never got anything against them. I don't want to spoil mine, but... Uh... Arsenal got mentioned in my one as well. So I know that. That's what I'm saying. It's definitely a theme. <laughs> Carry on here, yeah. In in terms of other players making impact as well, we still signed Chris Armstrong that summer because he was a quality left back. And I think he'd have done well in the Premier League as well. He had the season at uh, Sheffield United in the Premier League as their first choice left back. And I've gone for to solve the goalkeeping situation. We bring in Ben Foster on loan from Man United. Uh, McLaren using his England connections. I believe McLaren gave him his England debut. I might be wrong on that one, but I think he played. He featured for England while on loan at Watford in the Premier League. So an ageing Hannah man and Foster comes in to kind of fight for the number one jersey while Federici goes out on loan to the, to the Championship. Players going out on loan to the championship is quite a theme of this side because if you remember in um, in 08-09, players like Pierce did come through a bit, Jem Karashan, Hal robson Carnu all made appearances, Simon Church at the end of the season. So all these players who aren't yet Premier League ready get loaned out to championship sides and it does them some good, although the main team 
having had Dave Kitson injured from January onwards, signing Priskin from Watford, who doesn't quite make the cut in the Premier League. Reading do get relegated, finishing 19th above West Brom. I was looking at the sides promoted from the Championship from 07-08, and Hull went up, and they'd made some good signings that year, the Hull City team. And I think they finished... 18th in the end, because they started really well, but it was a while they were beating kind of Arsenal and Tottenham. And then Stoke City came up that year and Pulis Ball really took the Premier League by storm because especially Arsene Wenger didn't know how to deal with uh, Stoke City away. And so Reading end up relegated under McLaren, having spent quite a bit on his wages. Medeski tries to cut his losses sacking McLaren with a mass exodus then of players who were on higher wages in the summer of 2009. And so to save on money, and I kind of think this is quite a nicer way to end it as well, is that Eamon Dolan then takes the job in 2009. Having the knowledge of the academy players, Reading then looked like quite a youthful side, so we don't then in the following year get the playoffs and a game against, I don't know who it would have been that year, but not Burnley, thank God. But um, we then see over three years that Dolan develops a youthful side. Sigurdsson still unfortunately leaves. But in my scenario, Shane Long's going to stay on. And in 11-12, Eamon Dolan takes Reading up to the Premier League. That would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? To see that scenario of Eamon Dolan, what do you think, Alex? I can definitely see Eamon Dolan would have taken over, I think. If if, if it had been a season earlier uh, mm. that Coppel had left, I can definitely see Eamon Dolan being in the mix there, just purely because he was already... he Didn't he take over for a game uh Man United? He, yes. he managed one game against Man United, didn't he? Was it was it nil-nil or one-nil defeat, I think? One-nil. One-nil. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely see Eamon Dolan taking over there, and I think I think McLaren McLaren playing one up top and and relying on Hunt and Kebe would have just been so cliche, wouldn't they? Let's be honest. Um, England England were playing four four two at that time, if I remember correctly. Still, yeah. um, but I can't imagine we we wouldn't have had we just wouldn't have had two strikers to fit in mm-hmm. to. A, especially if Doyle had left like you said and and we were left with Kitson and Lita was obviously still obviously still around at the club as well but um I'm not sure we would have yeah not sure it would have been particularly entertaining football under McLaren if I'm honest and we also know after speaking to Jimmy Kebby on the podcast they didn't speak much English at this point so dealing with Steve McLaren (laughs) would have been (laughs) quite a challenge I feel he uh Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not got a bad yeah. accent on him. No, no, I was gonna say he's very good at the foreign accents. Um I'm sure yeah. there's you can look that up on YouTube oh. quite easily. He does a very good Dutch one. I would have <laughs> yeah. I would have enjoyed seeing I would have enjoyed seeing Ben Watson. I think Ben Watson would have been a, a brilliant mm. replacement for, for Sidwell. Uh yeah. I mean he's still he, he was playing Premier League football until what was it last year, I think. Mm. Um he would have been a fantastic replacement for, for Steve Sidwell and, and let's be honest. Picking between him and Cisse, there's not really much competition. So, no. yeah, I would have would have preferred to see Ben Watson certainly. But it seems like your your scenario still ends in disappointment, just delayed by a year. If I'm honest to you, which yeah, is is a, is a little different from all the other ones we've had, where everybody's everybody's ended with a lovely positive note and <laughs> it was ended I with like that, <laughs> that is true. I guess we got Dolan in the end. Right? Stay up. <laughs> 
because like I said, that was a really strong Stoke side that it, came up that year, and I think the, the year before it had been a clear bottom four of us, Birmingham, Fulham, Derby. And, oh god, yeah, that Derby team we would so bad. We really could have gone all out. I, I still feel, looking back on that day, we should have just started the game with four strikers on the pitch. Yeah, anyone I, I agree. Eight, eight nil is definitely eight nil is definitely possible. Yeah, they were rubbish, Derby. They were so bad. Right then, let's not get involved in the Derby world again. We've all been <laughs> scarred by that long enough, so let's not get dragged down by that. So, Alex, now it's um, uh, your chance to give us a what-if possibility, and we're going to look at Jose Gomez, a very, very popular man amongst a lot of Reading <laughs> fans. What would have happened if he would have stayed on instead of getting sacked? Start us off then. Okay, so we will remember him. Shiny suits, polished smile. Uh, just basically everybody's best friend, wasn't he, at the club. And uh, Gomez was adored by a lot of Reading fans during what was a pretty short period at Reading. And ultimately, he managed to you know, do his job in, in the 18-19 season, keeping us up. And before he then lost his job, what was it, seven to ten games in? can't remember the exact amount. But very early on in the 19-20 season, he uh, obviously was sacked. Um, but I'm going to propose a little scenario here where he wasn't sacked. So away at Bristol City and Reading are on a run of one point from their previous five matches. Rumours start to appear that week around, is Gomez on the edge? Is he is he going to get sacked if Reading lose this game? Reading go 1-0 down as per, uh, as per normal for the start of the 19-20 season. And uh, shocking defending from from both Liam Moore and uh, Liam Moore and, and I don't know who was playing alongside him that day. Miazga, Miazga. Yeah. So Miazga and Liam Moore, uh, shocking defending. Twelve minutes in, one nil down. Early in the second half, and this is where we're going to change the switch up. Early in the second half, the ball's squared across the Puskas, six yards out. This time, he doesn't get the ball caught under his feet. Slots it home first time into the bottom corner. Away and goes crazy. Reading go on to come back and win that game 2-1. Uh, the rumours are die, die off of uh, of Gomez's sacking. And the win is followed up by a 0-0 at home to Preston. Pretty credible. And then a nice win away at QPR. Playing football very reminiscent of that first week of the season when we beat Cardiff and drew against West Brom. The golden week of, of Jose Gomez. Um, uh, Reading managed to drag themselves up to a 16th, 17th spot by the start of December, and, and we lose to Brentford still. And we, you know, we managed to get a nil-nil at, at home against promotion chasing Leeds in a very solid performance. And Gomez managed was a you know very defensive manager. In reality, we had six nil-nils in in 21 matches in 18-19 under him, and I think this would have continued if he if he'd stayed last season. Uh, he got reinforcement again in January. Lewis Baker's recalled by Chelsea on loan at Dusseldorf. And oh, God, Tony... can I just say how much yet again? It's been a while since I've had an opportunity to say this, but I love Lewis Baker. Big, big, <laughs> I really big love, love Lewis Baker. And any scenario when he's back makes my heart full of love. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets recalled by Chelsea because he's only played four games by this point for Dusseldorf. And uh, Chelsea, Chelsea say, okay, you know what? Send you back to Reading where we know you're going to get game time. And Gomez puts him straight back into the starting eleven alongside Drina Motor in midfield. Um, and we start playing the 4-2-3-1 that we saw this season with with uh, Pushgas, though, is the top top striker, with Zhao not really had much of a look in by this point. Um, but there's a desperate need for wingers. 
and McCleary's brought back into the frame and he's he starts to get his starts to get his game time under Gomez for his final six months as a contract, but he doesn't manage to really make much of a difference. Only appears four times in the second half of the season. Uh, and Reading go on to struggle in January despite the few changes in personnel that they managed to make and they lose away at Millwall. Um, not really getting any shots away and, and struggling, as we always seem to do at Mill for some reason in recent years. Um, and then we lose away at Cardiff in a dismal effort and the playoffs are dead. No chance of the playoffs by this point. And, and I'm not going to try and propose some miraculous comeback where Reading win the last 18 games and we do make the playoffs because even in this alternate reality, still wouldn't have happened. Um, however, we do manage to beat Blackpool at home still in the FA Cup. Lucas Zhao, in a much-changed team, manages to nod a header home um, and put us into the fourth round. And we follow that up with a quick 1-0 win a couple of weeks later against Cardiff, where Cardiff are playing a much-changed 11 as they're trying to chase promotion still. Game against Sheffield United in the fifth round still happens, and, and Reading don't lose an extra time, thankfully. Um, hit the post late on but don't manage to score and we take them take take them to penalties end up managing to win on penalties after a masterclass Raphael saves two of the first four penalties covid doesn't happen in this alternate reality and reading managed to continue to kind of pick up a couple of points here and there in the league um and then we get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and reading are playing arsenal at home Arteta picks a relatively weak side. Maitland-Niles and Willock are both in midfield and they kind of crumble against the might of Andy Redemota, John Swift and Lewis Baker. Central three. Pick up our very first victory as John Swift scores a free kick past Emmy Martinez in what can only be described as very unrealistic. <laughs> um, That's a heartbreaking scenario for a lot of Redden fans there. Emmy Martinez letting a goal in. <laughs> it's a real struggle, that one, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going. It had to happen at some point. He's going to. He's going to concede to Reading at some point, and if it's going to be in an FA Cup quarter final, then I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. The league season starts to splutter, very reminiscent of the the league season under Steve Clark, and we we slowly are dragged towards the relegation fight. Four, three, three league games to go and we've got four points clear. Um, the semi-final comes up, full stadium at Wembley and Reading have drawn against Man City. The hope is there and the actual result is not and Reading get battered 4-0 in their second FA Cup semi-final in less than 10 years. Um, the league season play out the remainder of the season against Borough, Blackburn and Swansea and a, we lose against Middlesbrough. Um, but we know that one victory out of our last two would see us safe. We draw nil-nil at Blackburn, and that sees us safe. Wild celebrations from the players on on an away pitch again for the second season in a row because they've managed to secure safety. Good job, guys. Um, they lose 4-0 at home to Swansea on the last day, though, and we finish 19th. Reading don't really make any progress under Gomez that season. Dice sacks him straight after the Swansea game, and the appointment is clouded in mystery. There is no idea who's going to come in before Reading finally unveil Nathan Jones, who hasn't been rehired by Luton at this point. Uh, and he has promised I that he's going to get, get us back to 19, uh, 2021 season playing sexy attacking football with two wingbacks. And that is where I'm going to leave it because this season, I don't want to change. <laughs> Absolutely no reason to change this season. But 
I've got to look at that and think, Nathan Jones, wonder how he would done if he'd taken over at Reading. I mean, it's an interesting idea. What do you think, uh, Hugh? Do you think he'd do okay? No, I, I get the feeling he's an Eddie Howe type where it's just that one club that for some reason clicks with him perfectly as Luton in the same way Howe went off to Burnley and was sacked about a year later and went straight back to Bournemouth. Uh, he was a bit rubbish at Stoke, wasn't he, Nathan Jones? I'd, just, I'd like to think if Gomez got sacked in the summer, we'd have just got Velko Poundovic and carry on. I really was on the change the last few months of them being let in the ground, really. Um, but um, I, I must be in the minority of Reading fans who just didn't like Gomez that much. He taught a good game. I just think mm. he came at a time where we'd had two managers who couldn't have cared less about the fans in Paul Clement and Yap Stam. And he just, he said the right things, but I think he was very fortunate that the Wigan game coincided with that Club 1871 promo because the place was rocking when Mate scored that header in the 97th minute. If we lost that game to Wigan, the people it's went totally to totally different scenario, isn't it? From yeah. Oh, there's no point with that. It would have been negative because Wigan were below us at the time. So I just think he was very fortunate that that really helped get the fans on side. But you look at the players he had, Emmy Martinez, Lewis Baker, Oliveira. He struggled to get us out of the relegation light zone with that team. And Martinez was the best keeper in the league. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's hard to disagree with Martins is probably the best goalie we've ever had. But yeah, it's an interesting scenario today, slightly different to the normal one, so that's quite good. It's like all positive bit, and uh little, little bit more negative, I would say. That's fine. That's that's well, what we're gonna have. Yeah, there's no yeah. issue with that. So thanks a lot for listening. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the uh, episode, if you want to listen to the previous two that we've done, have a look on your podcast feed. You'll be able to find them dead easy. We've got the Wembley one. We've got the managers ones. It's a mixed bag. It's a bit more positive, but I love all the different <laughs> scenarios. If you'd like to get involved, get in touch with us via a DM and we'll try and get you involved in an upcoming episode. So cheers. Thanks a lot for listening.